Welcome to Double Shot with uh, your favourite cousins, James and Alex Fitzgerald. Do we have Alex today, though? That yes, is the big I'm question. here. <laughs> I'm here. No kid yet. No kid yet. He hasn't pressed eject and... Uh, I'm, I'm I'm all right. I'm not uh, not too opposed to that at the moment. I know some women get a little bit uh, a little bit antsy at this stage, but what can I say? I got stuff to do. Someone scraped my car last week, and so I've got to got to get that done before um before baby's born. So another thing on the mat list that I'm, I referred last week. Haven't even started the first thing. And a uh, big weekend in a uh, big week and weekend in Melbourne. Uh, got the racing carnival that's in full swing. What's what's mm. the vibe like down there? Oh no no vibes are immaculate, immaculate. We um we had what do we have uh, Melbourne Cup this week and uh, obviously the famous Oaks, Oaks Day. That yeah. um yeah 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 that's uh, Oaks tomorrow that's today yeah. and yeah sorry tomorrow and um and obviously Mitch and I secured our our name on on Oaks Day many years ago with uh, many property industry folk. Good times, but I must say if I may segue. It's still not as fun as the good old festival days. Oh, those no, days! It is. It's just those days are long fun. gone for me. But it's uh, more adult. Did you ever go to a festival? You just like maybe well, I was a blues say, fest. So, so I went to a couple. But what was what was your favourite festival? You you would have been to more than me, but but I've but, been to um, a lot of festivals. Yeah, yeah. What was your favourite ever ever music festival that you've been to? Um. Oh, it depends at what point you are in your life, I think. Uh, like I went to a couple in Europe that were like sensational because you, you don't you don't clash with any Australians and you have a completely different sort of like cultural experience and mm. meet people from all around Europe, which is, you know, you don't get to do that in Australia. But if we bring it back to Australia, I've got to say Splendour in the Grass, I went about three years in a row when I was 16, 17, 18 and it was unreal. They got all sorts of music. So I'd, I'd probably have to answer your question by saying Splendour. What about you? Like, am I wasting my time asking you if if uh, no, you no? Have a favorite, I, I went. Had a uh, I went. I went to Splendor in the Grass once. That was probably my favourite. Uh, maybe more so because of the Byron. Uh, you know, like experience of staying in Byron for a weekend. It's the whole experience. It's the whole a, what is it? A two or three day festival from memory. Um, <laughs> I remember bizarrely the uh, my favourite performance was the Living End, and I didn't even I didn't even like the Living End, but they just uh, closed it out one night, and I was like, oh, they were really good. Um, wasn't going there to see them, but um, but yeah, that 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 was my probably it for it's me. What, what about JB? You would absolutely JB, be into huge music festivals. Like, I, I definitely had, had attended a couple, not as many as you'd probably think, with my like being into music background. But yeah, yeah. Um, I guess. Favorite, I have different favorites for different reasons, but I'm with you with Splendor of the Grass, basically because the the whole setup, you know, like it's yep. like basically a massive carnival. Mm. Um, so the, the the setup was was awesome. In terms of acts that I have seen, probably Listen Out because it catered more towards the the Very demographic good. of music that I'm into. Schoolboy um, Q, Listen Out, yeah, five years like ago, ASAP elite. Ferg, Travis Scott at the time, but yeah, yeah, I think those those were probably my my highlights. I'd say. Uh, one that I never went to was Stereosonic, which I'm not sure if they had multiple, but that that was like a, I guess like a what like a house. It was like a more more was techno more electric, yeah, techno electric. I don't um, think you get let in if your shorts are any longer than like four inches. <laughs> oh, okay, and, well, yeah, uh, for the for the men, by the way, not not yeah. the women. <laughs> yeah. Is it isn't it funny though how just by absolute chance, and this is obviously where where this segment segues, but. Stereosonic as a festival, you know, yep, yeah, quite good. 
Um, mm. I might have gone to one, wasn't my favourite, but it, uh, it it attracted what a, a saying that will surpass time and most certainly the festival itself, which is I'm shredding for stereo. Yes, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Is that not... How did that become so iconic accidentally? There was nothing intentional about that. And when it started, TikTok didn't exist, Instagram might have, but it just, you know, it didn't have that like viral culture. But shredding for stereo was like the thing. You like all the blokes, the guidos, the muscle the muscle heads, they would shred down specifically to get their shirts off at Stereo Sonic. <laughs> like well, iconic. And it was obviously profitable because the owner, <laughs> the owner or founder rather of Stereosonic is a guy way. by the name of uh, Richie McNeil, and he's got a, he's got a wife who's a stylist, which is going to play into this as well. Her name's Lauren <laughs> Millay. They have just listed their uh, Riverside Turak Mansions. So Turak, mm-hmm. what would we? What would you're the Melbourne local bougie suburb? Probably the most bougie. Suburb oh, in, it's in, the most in expensive suburb in, in right. Melbourne by far, yeah. So very nice suburb and a very nice home. They've listed it for twenty three to twenty five million dollars. So obviously some some good money in the uh, in in the music festival caper. Uh, this fellow Richie McNeil is a former DJ who started uh, Stereosonic and, and a few mm. other festivals. Apparently, you know, uh, two hundred thousand odd people used to go to Stereosonic um, back in the day. Uh, and then he actually sold that business uh, to SFX Entertainment for $75 million. Wow. So that hence how he's got the money to go and pile into property. Uh, so he's, he's bought um, bought this home in Turak and uh, I don't know if you got more detail on that. Must be a nice home at 23 I mean, to $25 million. Yeah, Yeah. Uh- well, it's kind of quite interesting because this, this is the power of real estate, right, and obviously buying buying what you can when you can. But he bought it in 2013 and back then it was like a dilapidated 1960s home. So, you know, it's it's not as straightforward as, you know, he was super loaded and wealthy and he's gone and bought this like epic McMansion. It is in the most expensive suburb that has been the most expensive suburb in Victoria for a very long time. Mm. Um, but he's done very well. He's done very well here. Um, but, you know, he didn't, he didn't buy the sexiest of homes at that time. But I have to say, you know, if he could get royalties from every time someone said shredding for stereo, this man would probably be able to buy five more properties in Turak. <laughs> now, I must apologise because uh, in, in the little break there, JB did tell me that shredding for stereo may have come from very infamous YouTuber back in the day, Ziz. So I might have just got second and third wind of it, and it may actually have been invented somewhere. Now, to completely digress, um, (laughs) some of us might have seen Anthony Albanese, our Prime Minister overseas of late. I've seen him with uh, Joe Biden. He's been getting around. He's been getting around. He's on a a little tour de world. He's on a tour de world. To the the big superpowers too, the US and then China. Huge. Big week. Good for him. Good for him. I think he's uh, got a few things to achieve, and one of them is getting the sub- Submarine packed back on track, which mm-hmm. is very big for Australia. So I'll give that the, the the tick of approval from me. That doesn't mean anything, you know. It's not important. Um, but he's also um, going to announce, or or in the in the crux of announcing, a five billion dollar investment into Microsoft data centers in Australia to keep Australia's cybersecurity nice and tight. Yes, it's a massive investment, five billion dollars, and and. 
and I guess data centers, I have to admit, I, I look at them and I think, how sustainable is that as a business? But then I get notifications all the time that I've got to mm. up, up, upgrade my, my cloud um, sort of storage. Pay more. And I, and, and I get, <laughs> yeah, pay more. And I guess you do, you think, well, if I'm storing all this stuff on the cloud, it has to be backed up somewhere. And it, yeah. it inevitably is in these big data centers. So uh, Microsoft has 20 data centers in Australia. They're going to be basically building another 10. Uh, that's where the $5 billion is going. And, and they're partnering with our spy agency, uh, by the by. So they're actually uh, partnering with ASIO uh, to store some of the, the data that they collect um, for the purposes of national Security, so uh, hence why Albo got involved in announcing it. Makes sense. It, it'll it'll increase their capacity by two hundred and fifty percent over the next two years, um, and it's the biggest investment that Microsoft has ever made in Australia, and they've had an Australian business for forty years. So big, uh, big tick to to Australia, Huge. and like it's it's all the cloud the cloud um, services. What I didn't understand is their biggest mm. competitor is Amazon. And they're actually getting beaten uh, in terms of market share by Amazon yeah, globally, but mm. not in Australia. So Australia, uh, we're much more into um, the, the Microsoft, the Microsoft um, cloud uh, services than than Amazon, which is which is where Microsoft have sort of said that that yeah, that's why we're going to spend all this money so that we can maintain that advantage. You've, I mean, you've taught me something today, Cuz, because I didn't even know that Amazon did like cloud-based storage services. I feel a little bit feel a little well, bit silly. I'm going to teach you one more thing then. Oh, um, okay. Only last week, Amazon released its quarterly results, and for the first time ever, the Amazon cloud business makes more profit than the rest of the Amazon business combined, selling all what? the packages and and all that sort of thing. And, and it started as a side hustle like ten years ago, so it wasn't even meant to be a, a big business for Amazon. They literally just started it up on the side to support some of their retailers. Classic scenario when you when you hear like click click on business we did on the side and then it's like pretty much far exceeded that of the original core discipline of the business. Classic. But you know, Amazon was huge. I have to admit I you know, I do I do think when I read numbers like this, I'm thinking, have I overdone it? Like, could I actually delete some photos, you know, rather than just upgrading my cloud storage every every month? Delete. But it's like well, it's like a, it's like a buck a buck a month or so or two bucks a month. Uh, like it's, so it's nothing, right? So you yeah. just sort of like you don't even really blink. You sort of, like, oh, what's a few more photos you. for a dollar a month? I think I pay four dollars forty nine per month with whatever the Apple like cloud based system is, and that's for. I don't know, 250 gigabytes of extra data or whatever. And, and you know, it seems reasonable. And I guess you're right, like maybe I could free up some space, but that's what they bank on, isn't it? You're not going to because it's a massive time investment. And also, like, you, you don't want to delete anything because you're, you're worried you're going to need it one day. It's a slow creep. Like every upgrade is yeah. only 50 cents to a dollar more. So it's it's sort of insignificant in the in the scheme of things. It's just that it hits you every three to six months. Do you know what? This is interesting and I'm trying not to go off too far left here, but if we're only ever going to increase our data and and memory required for what crap we, you know, build up in our digital lives, like we're only ever going to need more data. Mm. Like when when are we going to go backwards? (laughs) We're not. 
No, I'm, never. I'm 30. You're 32. I'm 30. Oh, my God. I'm 31. You're 33. Whoa, when did we get so old? We've been podcasting for too long now. We we started this when we were under 30. Now I'm concerned. Anyway, th- we're only ever, ever going to need more ever. They're no. only going to go up. Uh, the the total numbers I I, I I should add I did have a note here that I missed is between <laughs> Amazon and Microsoft they both collect more than fifty billion dollars a year from the cloud storage and that's and a lot like, of money and just consider I mean yeah they've got to put it into data centers and all that it's but it's only gonna everyone's only gonna need more data and gonna have to pay more and on top of that they can increase their rates because you can't be bothered putting it somewhere else can you. There you go. Wow. Hey, if you're still with us, we're going to spice it up in the next segment. So mm. sorry if we lost you on data there. <laughs> I mean, James is overpromised here with the spicing up because I knew that we were going to migration statistics and that is a spicy topic for some and probably a little bit of a an underspiced topic for oh, others. Don't know about that. Well, you know. The, the, spicy for you and I. Spicy for the Double Shot podcast. Correct. Correct. Uh, Net overseas migration is probably going to hit 500,000 people this year, which for context for for the listeners, um, that's double what it was in 2019 Mm. before the pandemic. The previous high is about 300,000. So an enormous amount of overseas migration in the last 12 months. It's obviously a bit of a touchy topic because of the housing crisis, isn't it, Alex? Yes, 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 yes. It, you know, I was just thinking it's almost a Gold Coast. I think Gold Coast might be floating around 700,000. Yeah. It's, it's almost a whole Gold Coast. It's a lot but of I, people. I was, trying to, I was trying to like contextualise it. It's, you know, it's, you know, a couple hundred thousand off. But um, still, like that is, that's a lot of people. It's a whole city of people. Yeah, and, and the way that the government police it is they don't like just cap it. Like when, you know, say mm. when a certain amount of people come in, it's like, right, we're shut for this year, come back in January. They can't do it that way. They need some level of predictability. Otherwise, they'll get a bad reputation as a, a destination for overseas migrants. Uh, so what they do is they play around with with the skills and the, and the job descriptions yep. that, that, that they will take overseas migrants for. Uh, and so what they've sort of found is that they've been putting these um, skills and, and jobs on there and, and the numbers have come in a lot higher than what they even anticipated. They were sort of thinking they might touch 400,000, whereas they're going to hit 500,000 uh, this year. So it is a challenge, uh, but it has been fueled by uh, overseas student intake, hasn't it? Students, uh, these numbers are cracking. 370,000 student visas this year. By the way, last record, cuz, 2019, which was way more recent than I thought. Yeah. Last so record. Pre- pretty much just just before just the before pandemic. Just before COVID. Just before the pandy. 219, uh, sorry, 2019, we had a record student visa, 245,000 student visas. We're up on what? Like we're up 125,000 more. Yeah, 50%. That is not a small number. I cannot believe that. I think you were you're having a look at this sort of like breakdown of um of where they're coming from. Is it yeah. still still sort of similar areas? We had a lot of a lot of Chinese. We were dominated by a lot of Indian students as well. Yeah. Um, so so India Southeast has overtaken Asian. India has overtaken China as the as the most oh. um, common uh, background or, or previous country for our student uh, numbers. There, there are China and India are both roughly a hundred thousand people, and they're both more than double 
what they were uh, this time last year. So mm. they're, they're the biggest. And then it sort of drops away from there. Nepal's always been a massive uh, massively really? popular student um, population so, in Australia. So interesting. Um, Colombia, there are four times as many Colombian students in Australia wow. uh, today as there was this time last year. That They've rocketed to number four on the list. I wonder why. Like, like Southeast Asian, I can understand. We're on a similar time zone where mm. pr- it's pretty easy to get here, you know, um, should their family want to visit. You know, it's, it's, not, it's not day and night, so to speak. Mm. But, you know, Colombia, like that's, you know, other side of the world. It's very far away. Well, and Brazil's triple too. So, so South yeah. America, Did it? you there know, you go. F- full stop is, is seemingly... Uh, you know, a, a popular place, or oh, Australia's unless, a popular place for them. Unless it's a redirect because of um, those who would perhaps normally go to North America and, and for whatever reason they can't get in um, or like their criteria has changed significantly and they just want to go to um, great English-speaking countries to, to maximise their, their English. Who knows? Mm, mm. Potentially, potentially. Um, good, good and then universities. <laughs> now, after last week, um, um, it's not... Obviously, the last thing I want to be doing is giving some sort of geographical uh, perspective after, after how I offended uh, <laughs> half of our um, French-Canadian uh, listeners. Mm. So I do apologise. Mm. Uh, but Bhutan, Bhutan is the other one. There's five times as many people from Bhutan studying in Australia as there was uh, this time last year. So that, I, I believe that's in Southeast Asia as well, uh, between yeah. sort of China and India. So... Uh, kind of China, India, Nepal, Bhutan, that, that's a really, really popular place for people to come from and, and then study Amazing. in Australia. I'm glad you looked that up before we started this. <laughs> you said you wouldn't bring that up. But anyway. You're a fast learner. Hey, anywhere else we want to go before we wrap it up? Oh, we, we were wrapping up. We were wrapping up. Um, yeah, probably about, about time. Uh, I mean, builders, I, I wasn't going to go there. I don't like finishing on a negative, but it has been a oh my days. Has been a tough, tough uh, period for builders. Uh, Hutchie's it's not so getting any better just yet, is it? Maybe, maybe just a fraction, but no. It's, uh, it's a, you wouldn't want to be a builder. Hutchinson's builders would be one of the biggest builders in Australia, and certainly they're the biggest in Queensland. They build a lot of the high rises, and uh, they they've had a tough, they've had a rough run. Uh, mm. This number blew me away. So that they, they had Whoa. a $3.1 billion turnover last year. So they, yep. they, they have been responsible for bringing in $3.1 billion worth of money. Good, good top line number. Good top line number. Well, it's a big top line number, right? They yeah. made $6 million on oh, $3.1 billion. That is not a lot of money in the context of how much they uh, are generating in the way of income. I saw that um, like the companies, it's, it's like the near 80% slump in pre-tax profit. Yeah, that's exactly right. They, they, were, up, they were up sort of in the, in the high yeah. 20s of millions the year before that. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, they're, they're nearly an 80% drop in, drop in profit and like a, a nearly 20% increase in revenue. Mm. That that is just a tough year. There's no other way of describing it than that would have sucked to take on all that risk 
and only be left with, I mean, you know, $6 million is still, still a lot of money, right? But but like yeah. in the context of the risk that they're taking yes. uh, at $3.1 billion, it, uh, it, it's not a feasible business model. So you need th- you'd need some structural change um, for that business to be feasible going forward. Oh, and I mean, because, you know, not, oh, I mean, it, it's not great. You're right. But I, I guess there's a lot of, to, to contextualise, a lot of builders that, you know, they're in the negatives. They they made absolutely no money. They're still in lost territory and um, they're still calculating if they're, they're going to be able to turn the lights on tomorrow. But, yeah, for the biggest, one of the biggest builders in Australia and certainly on the south southeast coast, um, oh, man, that would just be... Yeah, but I think Scott Hutchinson called it completely rubbish himself. <laughs> Literally those words verbatim, completely rubbish, he said. I mean, the business has been going for more than 100 years. So uh, he did also say that, look, it is it, it is a really rough year, but we've largely had good years over the 100 plus years. Uh, so he did put that in context. But, uh, yeah, no, no other way of talking uh, about it other than just a rough year for builders. Yeah, yeah. Should we uh, end on anything positive at all? you got a little positive... Uh, well, you, you're vibing sort of, that your little son is going to arrive this coming week, aren't you? Like you you're week, thinking yeah. this is your yeah. last step for for uh, for the year. Oh, I hadn't I hadn't thought of it in that context. Yeah, have we got a backup plan? <laughs> well, if not, I'll just be here. I'll just be here next week. You know, I'll just come in, record. We'll talk some some smack. You know, I yeah. Mean, yeah, the roadcaster kit's probably not going to be feasible in the maternity ward, but you know, no. what's no. a couple of extension cords later, and you don't, you never know. I guess I, pr- I probably assumed you had some sort of handover plan, but maybe that was <laughs> wrong of me. <laughs> yeah, look, I, I'll spend the I next kind of day or two looking that, yeah. into that. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, kind of thought you might have, I don't know, figured out some someone to fill your your shoes while while you're away. I might surprise you, James. You just never know. <laughs> Will they be knowledgeable? Maybe. Will they be a delight to listen to? We don't know yet. <laughs> Will they bring anything to this pot? Who knows? We just don't know. I wouldn't honestly, take a lot you know, to you know what else I don't know? When this kid's coming. No. Oh, well, maybe life. we'll see you next week. Either way, good luck. We're, 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 it's a good result either way. We either have... The, the glory of your presence next week or <laughs> you have the glory of the presence of this little man that's kicking around like crazy and, and caused you to stop mid, uh, mid-sentence mid a couple of times today. Yeah, he's, he's doing Rex Quando. Rex Quando in there. <laughs> Rex Quando. Uh, thanks, uh, guys, and I, I appreciate the glory of my presence being recognised for once. Enjoy, no, you are the about glory. to go through one of life's very special moments. Oh, so sweet. All right. Uh, keep an eye out for Quick Shots. We aren't done with Alex just yet. <laughs> we will have her on the Quick Shots as well. Uh, take care, guys, and uh, we'll see you next week. Boop. Well, I will. Thanks for listening to another episode of The Double Shot with your favourite cousins, Alex and James Fitzgerald. If you've got a burning question or something we absolutely need to talk about on the pod, please write to us. Both of our emails are in the show notes. For little real estate tidbits and a little bit of banter, okay, a lot of banter, you can follow us on the gram. Our handle is the doubleshot.podcast. That, my friends, is the doubleshot.podcast. Until next time, think of us when you sit back and sip your next double shot.